it's yeah it's the optics it has nothing to do with anything other than cya that's it you got to cover your own ass because well somebody can come back can come back to you and say well you're against our president as as this this company as this sport and you're like no no i made a statement look you know i said right here we don't associate with this and people please stop using our logo because that's illegal anyway. I could also see so, there being like a NASCAR car boardroom with a bunch of people like, okay, how are we going to attack this? And they're like, well, we're going to make a statement saying we don't agree with this or, you know, don't use this or whatever. And then they got to be like, all right, well, so who can make a statement without laughing? Cause we're going to need that. We're going to need somebody <laughs> who can do that. <laughs> yeah. Who can do this with a straight face? Okay. You're, you're on. <laughs> Hey, thank you for checking into this edition of the Cerebral Entertainment Podcast. Before we get started, I wanted to remind you all one more time to go check out truenutrition.com for all of your nutrition and supplement needs, including protein powders that you can customize to your preference, whole food vitamins, supplements for energy and endurance, and the list goes on. When you get finished shopping and go to check out, be sure to use the code CEPN for a 5% discount on your total order. Also, you can do us that huge favor by subscribing to the Cerebral Entertainment Podcast Network wherever you stream your podcast, including YouTube for video content and TikTok for riveting clips so that you can keep the variety coming straight to your ear holes with the automaticity. Now for this episode, Colt and I host a chat that we titled, Let's Go Brandon. During this episode, you will hear us discuss our respective weekends of wrestling and heavy metal, how NASCAR is attempting to distance itself from the Let's Go Brandon phrase, the very recent death of former Mr. Olympia, Sean Roden, the coming tidal wave known as the vaccine mandate, and much more. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to keep those big, beautiful brains of yours warm again. So, uh, yeah, here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to yet another riveting edition of the Cerebral Entertainment Podcast. As you know, I am James, and with me as always is my good friend Colt. I am here. I don't know, did you notice, uh, I don't know if you watched the video back from when we recorded with the Four Brothers Meads guys. But if, if there's a distinct facial expression that I that I seen whenever you did the intro, and I, I think just because like when you say another riveting edition, I think for some I don't know that just I think that interests people. I don't know why. Does it sound like uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Over overconfident when we say that. <laughs> Is it only like, is it a possibility that it's only riveting to us? I'm not sure. You know, at the end of the day, if it's riveting to one, it's riveting. You it's got, riveting that's a good, to someone. That's a good point. You're never going to get 100%, right? <laughs> right. Sometimes you may only get a fraction of a percent, <laughs> but nevertheless, it's still riveting to, to someone. So right. did I mention, did I mention riveting? I, I forgot if I, if I, I usually do, it's like automatic, but now that you said that, I was like, did I say riveting this time? Uh, I'm sure I did. Wait, hang on. You had to, right? I had if to. If not, this is I mean, weird. I know. That I just brought well, it just up. In case, just in case I didn't, this is going to be another riveting <laughs> edition of the Cerebral Entertainment <laughs> Podcast. And excuse my short-term memory deficit that I just exhibited there. But at any rate, Colt, I'm going to throw this quote at you. This one struck me. Um, I love it. And I also hope that all of our cerebral listeners can take this and internalize it. If you haven't already, I know a lot of you have, but this quote is by Napoleon Hill. And it says, you have absolute control over just one thing, your thoughts. The divine gift is the sole means by which you may control your destiny. If you fail to control your mind, you will control nothing else. Now, 
that's a rabbit hole that we could go down for a while. And we have to some degree and in, in other, like you know, something else triggered that conversation and we took that rabbit hole down. But just the fact that you only have one thing that you can control. That's, and that's the only thing. And sometimes that's even difficult, right? To even control our own minds. That's what I was going to say but, is that I know we've talked about this before and I don't, we, I may have landed on the fact that I don't know that I can, like, it's not the easiest thing in the world to control your thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was Mark Twain who says that and I'm, I'm kind of butchering this because I don't have it in front of me. Short-term memory deficit. I already <laughs> mentioned that, but it's the, um, the one power that we have, and this might not have even been Mark Twain. Never mind. The, 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 uh, the quote is still good. It, it says that one of our greatest powers that we have as human beings is being able to control one thought over another. Right. So you may not be able to control what we call in CBT, those automatic thoughts, because those are automatic. You mm -hmm. know, the brain has to function in an automatic way in order for us to be able to process the world around us without being overwhelmed. Anyway, uh, you may not control those, but you have the ability to choose one thought over another. Right. And so we work with a lot of reframing of thoughts because that thought comes in based on a core belief, which is based basically from my experience in life. Okay. But when that, when I am aware of that thought and being aware, being mindful of our thoughts is one of the greatest things that we can do with our brains, with our minds. Mm -hmm. When I am aware of that, I have the ability and it takes some practice. It takes some work, but I have the ability to, to choose one thought over another and let the rest of my, my day, my life, whatever cascade based on that train of thinking and not based off of that, that initial reflexive thought that comes into my brain. Right. right? I think the aware part is an extremely important thing to think about but have you ever had like a an automatic thought that like worried you maybe not worried you but like you just wondered why was that like the first thing that popped like why was that the thought like why yes i mean i can choose like you know the physical part of it uh, or I, I i like you said you can choose one thought over the other so you know you can have an automatic thought and be like whoa why was that the first thought but you know the thought after that is is wondering why that was there and then this is actually the better thought to have you know it's just weird to navigate those but i think i think i've had i've had situations where like the first thought that popped into my head was like i don't want that to be the automatic thought i i have to fix that like why it kind of almost worries you right that that's the the first automatic thought that you have yes yeah absolutely and Fixing that automatic thought is something that we should do. You know, if it's uncomfortable, if it doesn't align with our values, then we should work on trying to correct the automatic thought. That takes a little bit of digging, takes a little bit of work, but you are absolutely right. And then isn't it, isn't it crazy too that there's people who, well, I don't know if you want to call them disorders or whatever, but they literally don't have the filter. So like the first automatic thought is what comes out of their mouth and you're like, whoa. But if you really think about yes. it, there's a lot of times where that's, may have been the same um, automatic thought that would have came out of your mouth if you didn't have the differentiation or the the ability to choose a different thought over that one. Absolutely. Yeah, the filter is also very important, but you are absolutely right that awareness is, is critical. It's the key. If we're not aware of what's going on in our brains, then we have no like baseline, no no, no milestone to grab onto so that we could begin to to alter our brains to a more productive and positive train of thinking, right? You know, so that that's the that's the first point that we have to have. But 
yeah, I thought that was a great quote. A great quote. I knew it was going to be uh, something that we could talk about and we could go on and on. But uh, because of our limited time here today, we are on a kind of a time crunch. Uh, I thought I would ask you about your wrestling experience that you had earlier this week, what that was like. I got to admit, I've never been to a wrestling match live. Mm -hmm. And so I just wonder how that looks and what it feels like. And if you guys had a good time. Uh, So wrestling, since me and my wife have gotten together, was like when we first got together, it was a lot bigger thing um, for for us, like something we watched religiously and stuff just because it was fun. WWE was the thing. Um, over the past couple of years, there's been quite a few guys who have left the WWE and they kind of formed their own, um, it's called AEW all elite wrestling. And they have the backing of the co-owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, who is a billionaire. Uh, so, you know, having that kind of a money backing you is pretty, it's beneficial for sure. Um, so it's a lot of the guys that we used to watch that all have, you know, kind of made their own thing. Plus you have a lot of new wrestlers and stuff coming in and all that. So I don't know. It was, it was fun to see, like, you know, there's some, still some big names that you probably know, like CM Punk. He is now mm-hmm. with, he is now with this AEW, um, like a Daniel Bryan, Cody Rhodes, you know, guys that were really big in, uh, in WWE are now with this, this new company, but something to note, this guy, uh, Tony Khan is his name. So his, uh, if I'm not mistaken, his, him and his dad are the co-owners of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then, but this guy like comes out before the show and amps everybody up and like, you know, talks to everybody. And he came out and made a, an apology to St. Louis because I think this was a rescheduled date. I think it was supposed to happen at one point and then COVID happened and then they had to reschedule it. Well, I think they were originally going to have a pay-per-view event for AEW this this weekend. Um, but they chose not to do it because it wasn't a good business move because you had a major card for UFC last night going on. Plus, you had Canelo Alvarez boxing last night too. And their numbers would have just plummeted because they're not going to be a priority over over those two things. So he came out and like made an apology to St. Louis saying, we will do a pay-per-view here. I want to, you know, it just was not a good business move for us to make this. Um, and then after the show, he comes out again and he like tells everybody, thank you. And, you know, so thanks so much for the support. And then he made some of the wrestlers that were still in the ring and stuff, like make, take pictures with fans and stuff like that. And I was like, you know, these are some major name guys that are involved in this organization. And you have the owner of the company is a billionaire and you just wouldn't think that you would see a guy like that come out and do you know do these kinds of things and it was just it it was neat to see but you know like i said wrestling used to be a bigger deal than it is to us now but we've kind of started getting into this aew a little bit and uh just the fact that they came to st louis seemed like a good time to have our like first date night out since the kid's been born and we actually got to, you know, get out. And Chaffetz Arena is an awesome place anyways. I don't know if you've ever, have you been to Chaffetz? Not that I can remember. I don't think so, but okay. maybe. The setup's really cool. This is the second time we've been. We went and seen, it was Asking Alexandria, Papa Roach, and Shinedown. We went to see nice. them there, which was a really good show. And then this was our second time. But yeah, it's a it's a really cool setup and a really good venue. Sweet. Well, it sounds like the owner is really doing it the right way. Yeah, for sure. I think he has a, a, a grassroots approach. 
to mm-hmm. some degree and, and really like, com- you know, he's, he's compelled to interact with the fans and that's huge. I mm-hmm. mean, when you do that, the, the fans that you do that with, they end up oftentimes being locked in, mm-hmm. you know, the, the ones that have that, that chance to interact and just even him, you know, coming out there and, and saying that, you know, apologizing to St. Louis, that's, that's pretty big to me. So that's, that's good. Something, I some, been a- one of the neatest things about, wrestling shows to me that when we when you go is because a lot of them are live events so like they're on tv at the time that you're there right it's interesting to watch how it plays out when you're on camera and when you're off camera because if you're a wrestler and you're really aware of like um i guess the soap opera kind of stuff when it you know when it happens and stuff like that if you're really aware of like when the camera's on and the camera's off you can play with the people in the crowd to where they're like really amped up or ready to go whenever the camera, whenever the camera does come back on. And it, it's interesting to, um, so the, the best thing, uh, you probably know the name Chris Jericho, don't you? I do. Well, there, the best scenario that I've heard was back when he was in WCW, he, they were doing this weird, uh, storyline where he came out and he had this like scroll thing, just full of different wrestling moves. And it was just an annoying skit where he just came out and he rolled this thing out. And it was like all the different moves that he says he knows how to do. And it had like hundreds and hundreds. So he'd be naming these off one by one by one. And then all of a sudden it would go to commercial. And then when it goes to commercial, he would just start bashing like the hockey team and the, the, the sports for the city that, that they had just to piss off the crowd to where when the camera came back on, everybody's booing and everything else just to make it look cooler for the camera. I just thought that was so interesting. It's, it's a good, yeah. you know, that's, that's smart. They yeah. know how to play the crowd, how mm-hmm. to get them riled up. Yeah. And so that, that will, you know, you start talking about, you're in St. Louis, start talking about the blues or the Cardinals. You know, people are going to, uh, you might get something thrown at you. Yeah. They might meet, try to meet you outside. It, uh-huh. it would, you know, he's a big dude, so you, you better come <laughs> with it. But <laughs> that's fun. I haven't been really a wrestling fan since I was a kid. May uh, I remember one of the greatest things I ever watched, which I never was live. I never went to see a show myself, but used to watch it on TV. It was on Saturday nights, and something that really sticks out in my head was when Ric Flair was wrestling, and he got his uh, trunks, I guess you call them, pulled down. And this was on like, you know, channel 11 or whatever back in the day. And his, his butt cheeks were, you know, clearly showing the entire time, Mm -hmm. you know, it it was, uh, he wrestled for another good, you know, minute and a half, two minutes with his, with his trunks around his, the bottom of his butt cheeks. So you could see the entire thing with the butt crack. Uh, (laughs) it was very interesting, (laughs) you know, maybe a little off topic, but wrestling. Well, I mean, you, you, it it surprises me that there's not more like wardrobe malfunctions that go on with what they do. You know, I mean, every once in a while, like a woman will have a nip slip on accident or something like that. Or, you know, like you said, a Ric Flair and you see his butt or something like that. But it's just, it, it just surprises me that you don't see more with, with wrestling another person for, you know, 10 or 15 minutes at a time. True. And I love how you use the term wardrobe malfunction, which the first time I've ever heard that, which may have been when it like actually the genesis of that term was the Justin Timberlake, Janet Jackson. I actually uh, just heard that the other I just heard that the other day, somebody on a podcast that I was listening to said that that's where that term came from. 
Okay, that's where I first heard it. Which seems so, odd. Yeah, I don't know it's why. It's a great term. It, I love the term. I don't know why. It just seems weird that that would be the beginning of that term. I mean, I know it was still quite a while back, but it really yeah. wasn't that long ago. I mean, I was in high school. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Like in the case of Ric Flair, I think they just said, whoa, you know, he's you know, he's showing more than what he should be <laughs> showing right now. They, they didn't think of that term. So, right. Yeah, I don't know. It's hmm. a great term, though. I love it. Yeah. Let me ask you something, though. Have you ever been to a, a, a good metal show, heavy metal? To be honest, I don't know. Like, Inimical Drive may be the biggest, like, the heaviest metal show that I've actually been to. I don't know yeah, if I... Yeah, that, that, should, that should be an obvious one for me. Of course, you've seen Inimical Drive, and I do consider them heavy metal, for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. But other than that, outside of that, I don't think I've been to... Not that I can think of. Like I was wondering, because... As you know, I went to see Gojira last night mm -hmm. at the, the factory, which is a new venue in Chesterfield, Missouri. Mm -hmm. Fantastic venue, man. It, it's awesome. I've heard great it's like things. The, yeah, it, it's like the pageant except on steroids. It, and it's just, it's a beautiful facility. Great location, too. I mean, as far as parking goes and getting out after the show, it wasn't too terrible. You know, the, the we got out within a matter of under, a, probably under a minute, you know, and we didn't leave early, of course. Nice. But yeah, I was I was watching the show last night and I was thinking about you. I went with my my buddy Steve and was watching the show. I was like, man, I, I just wish that you would have seen it because it was really, really good. And I had high expectations, which is dangerous. <laughs> you don't want to have high expectations too often because then you get let down. Yeah. But they they met my expectations and exceeded even. Uh, it was a great show. Gojira is one of those bands that they've been around forever. I've just come on them more recently and they, they have a very unique sound. Like if I hear his voice, I'm going to know it's the lead singer from Gojira, mm -hmm. you know, and they, of course they have a fantastic drummer, nothing like metal drummers, man. They're just insane what they do. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, a lot of props for Gojira. Of course, they sounded fantastic. Put on a great show, man. The show itself at the factory dude was top notch nice especially for gojira i mean they had it going on dude with with the the effects you know everything surrounding the show mm -hmm. they did fantastic with the like putting up a, a smoke screen with the drummer and then lighting it up so where he's just a silhouette and just all kinds of great greatness abounded last night at the factory so nice. yeah we went and played a round of top uh top golf which was go. my first time that was cool and then went out to the factory, which is just, you know, you could throw a rock and hit the factory from Top Golf. So it's a right. great little, you know, free show entertainment for, for your, you know, for your evening. So, yeah, I was just uh, was thinking about you. I was thinking, man, if you haven't seen a metal show yet, I, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to make that happen. Yeah. I think you'll like it. Yeah. I'd be, yeah. I'd definitely so. be pumped. Sweet. So, at any rate, a lot going on in the world mm -hmm. nowadays. Um, as you know, and as I'm sure everybody on the planet knows, uh, let's go, Brandon, is now the number one phrase for, especially for the conservative Republican side of the aisle. Um, there's T-shirts. There's even a song now. As I was doing a little bit of research earlier, I noticed that someone had actually recorded a song that you can download on Apple Music, and it's called Let's Go, Brandon which I think is fantastic. <laughs> but, you know, uh, with, with no politics, one side or the other involved, 
what's what do you think about the like this the popularity and the, the just so much exposure for this let's go brandon phrase what what what's the first thing that comes to your mind okay so my first thought and i still haven't got an answer to this yet but is i don't we're not given the interviewer enough credit in this scenario cuz whether she knew what they were saying and she chose to make it something else or whether she didn't know and she really thought that's what they were saying, she's still not getting any credit. <laughs> like, the, I don't think she's getting the credit she deserves for making this viral video. Because if it wasn't for her, this video, video would not have went viral, right? Absolutely. Yeah, they, they could have just cut the camera and said, whoa, you know, explicit language on TV. You right. know, this is being broadcast. But no, she switched it up. And I think it's great. I don't think I've heard anyone else besides you talk about this. Yeah. Like it, it, trying it, to give this lady credit. You well, really need to reach out to her and <laughs> let her know how much of an impact she, she made on you. Well, I can, in your, in your honest opinion, what do you think? Do you think she knew? Cause if, if she knew what they were saying and she made the transition, she did it very pretty much flawlessly. And it was, it was really quick. So yeah. what do you think? Do you think she did it on purpose or do you think she really thought that that's what they were saying? Because I mean, you know, there's a lot of noises going on and stuff outside of the crowd cheering too. So. Yeah. No, my initial reaction was that she was a dumb, dumb and she <laughs> thought they were saying, let's go Brandon uh -huh. because she was, you know, standing there talking to Brandon who had just won the race. Mm -hmm. Right. So that, that was my initial reaction after I had spoken with you. And in your, you know, you were really impressed by this interviewer who had, you know, switched things up, which was it's such a fluke. And it's so amazing how it's just blown up now. Uh -huh. and that's just that's amazing to me. But now that I've watched it a couple of times it, with the look in her eye, it, it seems like there was a like this little glimpse of, oh, crap, you know, that that's what they're saying. And we're on TV. I've got to, you know, it, it was just a just a glimmer because it happened in a heartbeat. Mm hmm. But now I, I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence. I, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure there's any way to find out. But well, because I'm, I'm I'm also curious. Like in her brain, so say she really thought they were saying "Let's go, Brandon," and she said it, and all you know the guys like, "All right, all right, cool." They're cheering for me or whatever. And then while he's talking, if she realizes like what they're actually saying, and she's got to be like, "Oh crap," what? Like what's going to happen from this, you know, but th this was also one of those things. And I, dude, you, you don't give yourself enough credit for like how, uh, in tune you are with social media and viral stuff. I don't think, cause you're actually the guy that I go to when I don't know what's happening and you normally know. So maybe, I don't know if it's your in tune or you, you just come across stuff a lot sooner than I do somehow. Maybe like what your social, what you follow on social media gets more, you know, than mine does. I don't, I don't know. But you're like the guy that I go to whenever I'm like, dude, what is, what is let's go Brandon. And then, and then you actually, and then you like got videos ready to send me and everything. You're like, oh dude, you got to pay attention to this. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm glad I can help. I'm, I'm glad I'm there for you <laughs> in that sense. But it is, you know, I try to stay so varied. And I talk about this a lot on the show too, you know, about getting our, our information from a, you know, a variety of sources so that you're not in an echo chamber. And in doing so, I come across a lot of just, you know, things that, 
don't make a difference. <laughs> They're not important one way or the other. That happens a lot too, you know, so I just try to stay on, on the, on the edge of things, I guess, which yeah. Yeah, I think it's important. I like to get out in front of these memes, especially dude. I, I have made that kind of a thing of mine is to try and stay in front of, of the new meme trends, you know, so I, I pay close attention to those. Yeah. You know, because I, I just love them. It, it's entertaining for me, but it's also news, man. It's like <laughs> once you see a meme and I give memes a lot of credit, like I take a, the credit away from myself and give it to memes. I just follow the memes. Yeah. And but but once you once you find a meme and you start digging into the origin of that meme, then a lot of times you you come across the the thing that happened, you know, whether it's you consider it, you know, quote unquote news or just some chicanery out there that's going on you dig into that meme and you can find a lot more out so it's kind of like a it's kind of like a flag that that helps you to figure things out have you come across anything now i i think it's weird in the time we live in too when it comes to memes have you seen anything that's happened whether you're watching something on tv or whatever and then all of a sudden something happens and you're like that's going to be a meme like tomorrow that is going to be a meme I've seen, you know, especially like sports events and stuff like that, you know, like UFC, that's a big one, you know, just some of the faces where you see somebody gets kicked in the face or something and their face just looks ridiculous. And now all of a sudden that's a meme the next day, you know, and sometimes like when it comes to UFC, I look at it and I'm like, oh man, that's going to be a meme and that sucks. You know, it's funny, but it's still like, ah, that just, that sucks for that guy because I know he's going to be viral tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) yeah i I do kind of keep my eye out for those things you know like with for instance if i see joe biden and he does something silly then i'm looking for that you know like like sleeping yeah yeah with his mask on sleeping (laughs) Uh, i love that meme because it's true Uh uh-huh you know i forget exactly what it was but it talks about older guys sitting down for a couple minutes and then you're like that and i was like yep yep, i can relate to that kind of yeah. like the whole recliner thing you know mm-hmm. um, how, to, how to get an old guy to fall asleep first have an old guy second sit him in a recliner uh-huh. done game over you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, I, I try to stay out in front of all those just because i love them so much too but when it comes to the uh, let's go brandon you know not surprisingly nascar is having to because this this originated if you've been living under a rock and you don't know by now this originated at a, at a racing event, right? And so it's, I think it's pretty common knowledge that a, a big portion, a majority, if not like close to 100%, like that big of a majority, is a conservative Republican leaning when you're a NASCAR fan, right? That just kind of goes hand in hand mm-hmm. and is what it is. But, and so that's where the chant came from. And now, of course, the chant has blown up and so I would imagine that every event they're chanting, let's go, Brandon. Like I said, you've got the T-shirts, you've got the song, you've got masks that say, let's go, Brandon. I mean, flags, flags are out there as well. So NASCAR is kind of having to distance themselves from this for marketing purposes, right? Plus, they don't want any kind of backlash from you know, Joe Biden's administration at all or anything like that. So came across this article here, and it is... You know, as it says, this is from NBC News. So NASCAR denounced its association with the Let's Go Brandon political cry being used across the country as an insult directed toward President Joe Biden. It says they will, on, in the second paragraph here, they will pursue action against any illegal use of the trademarks or merchandise boasting the slogan. 
So the problem is there have been a lot of like there have been T-shirts made with Let's Go Brandon, but they have usurped the NASCAR logo and put it on that T-shirt. Well, obviously, that's illegal use of a trademarked item. And, right. and so there's, you know, the people are kind of they are assimilating very closely NASCAR with Let's Go Brandon. Mm-hmm. So as a private company, you can't hardly blame them, though, right? Right. I, I mean, mean, I mean, it, that's it, just that's general you know, trademark infringement. Isn't that what it's called or something along those lines? It, I, yeah, I think so. Yeah. It's just like the misuse of their trademark. Yeah. And as, as a business, as, as a business, the size of NASCAR, you also kind of have to be careful, you know, too, because you don't want to be, in my opinion, any business shouldn't be associated with a particular political agenda that they shouldn't align themselves with one side of the aisle or the other. Right. Is how I should put it. Right. Which kind, which, just from a, which kind of sucks for NASCAR too. Right. Because they can't really come out and make a statement because if they do, then it's going to be bigger than it was originally. But you also, if you don't make a statement about it, it's like, I guess you could look at it as, okay, we agree with what's happening or something, you know? So it, it just, it six to one half a dozen, the other, as far as how you want to look at it. I guess so, you know, but at the same time, it's, I don't know that, that making a statement will, will hurt them. I think you have to make a statement. I think you just do because otherwise you're, you're, you're not showing anything, right? You're just, it's almost like your, your silence is, you know, uh, agreeing with whatever is going on in this case, let's go Brandon. So if you don't speak out against it, just a a statement of some kind, especially since they're using the logo, I think it kind of, it it helps them to, it segues them into being able to make that statement on justifiable grounds. You know, I mean, I I could, I could see coming out and making a statement, uh, you know, basically taking up for yourself and saying, don't you be using, you know, we don't want anybody using our, our logo on these shirts because we're, you know, we don't, necessarily agree with how this you know how everything is going down i, I don't know that's i i just because if you look at it what, what's it, it's not going to change anything it's only, like i said it's only going to make it bigger probably if you do make a statement about it and then it's not like nascar can shut down social media or nascar can say what people are going to put on social media so i, I don't i don't know how much right. of a difference it actually makes besides just somehow covering your ass saying we're not a part of this don't make us a part of this kind of thing it's yeah it's the optics it has nothing to do with anything other than cya that's it you got to cover your own ass because well somebody can come back can come back to you and say well you're against our president as as this this company as this sport and you're like no no i made a statement look you know i said right here we don't associate with this and people please stop using our logo because that's illegal anyway. I could also see so, there being like a NASCAR car boardroom with a bunch of people like, okay, how are we going to attack this? And they're like, well, we're going to make a statement saying we don't agree with this or, you know, don't use this or whatever. And then they got to be like, all right, well, so who can make a statement without laughing? Cause we're going to need that. We're going to need somebody who can do that. <laughs> yeah. Who can do this with a straight face? Okay. You're, you're on. <laughs> So, yeah, I just thought it was interesting. The article goes on to say that they they actually feel bad for the reporter, you know. And so I've heard also some I've also heard someone say that they felt bad for Brandon, the racer, because, you know, it was his big day. (laughs) It was like completely just washed away by 
the the phrase "Let's go, Brandon." And, well, the other thing too so, is I could see. I mean, tell me if you agree with me or not, but like these days, I could see them firing the interviewer because of this happening by what she did or how she changed it. Because if she wouldn't have said anything, the the soundtrack of all the people yelling that would still be there, but it, she wouldn't have been involved in it. Now she kind of placed herself yeah. in it and made this go viral. So I could see them firing her over it. I wouldn't, I don't want them to, but I could see it. Maybe, but it wouldn't surprise me if she got hired on somewhere else as a, you know, as a, uh, a genius <laughs> and a master of wit, right. To be able to, you know, if something goes wrong, she can get in there and change it real quick <laughs> and, and possibly start another meme storm. Who knows? Right. Uh, but yeah, but on another note with Brandon himself too, you know, he's always going to be associated with, with this. And so maybe it's a way for people to remember him too. I mean, I don't keep up with NASCAR either, but you know, it, it, he's no Dale Earnhardt, you know, so I know that name, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I, I know Richard Petty, you know, I don't know who this Brandon guy is, but now I will always remember him because let's go Brandon. <laughs> So it is what it is, man. In more serious notes, we lost another uh, high-level competitor, uh, a Mr. former Mr. Olympia yep. um, bodybuilder just a couple of days ago, Sean Roden. Mm-hmm. And uh, another, another shockwave to the bodybuilding industry. And, of course, you know, I'm not nearly as engrossed in the bodybuilding as a sport as you are. Um, but when you sent me that message that, man, this is getting out of hand. Of course, I start digging in because I want to know more about him, you know, and more about the, you know, just whatever's surrounding the sport at that time, it, you know, itself as well. So uh, my understanding is that he won Mr. Olympia at the age of 43. It was, re- it was and, recent. Uh, yeah. 2018. Was yeah. I'd say two or three years ago. Yep. Which that's amazing because dude, I'm 43. <laughs> And I'm sitting there thinking, man, it could have been me, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. No, no, it couldn't have been. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's uh, another sad time. So we're going to dig into this just a little bit because uh, it, it intrigues me. And I know it, it really intrigues you as well, intrigues you as well. But it says here that Sean Roden, the 2018 Mr. Olympia champion, died after reportedly suffering from a heart attack, a heart attack. The bodybuilder was 46 years old. He won the title at 43, and he was the oldest champion in the bodybuilding uh, com- uh, competition's history. Roden also broke Phil Heath's seven-year winning streak. So the guy, Sean Roden, had some, some prestige, and he was – I guess he still owns that oldest uh, Mr. Olympia, right? Is that still the – is he still the, uh, the title holder there? I think so, because – Big Ramy has won the he won this year. Did he win the last two years? I don't know. I don't, I'd have to have the have to Google it and see. But uh, yeah, I think I think so. I think he still holds that, especially if it was only three years ago. Okay. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's a it's devastating. But you know, there we were texting back and forth about this, and like it's a it's an interesting subject to look at in this world because you know it's no secret that in the bodybuilding world, people are taking anabolics, people are taking steroids and they're, you know, they're 
beating and battering their bodies for, you know, years upon years upon years. This guy's probably been, you know, lifting and taking, uh, you know, steroids and stuff for 20 plus years, possibly, you know, um, not going to dig in any of that, but all I'm going to say is that everybody knows that that stuff is not the most healthy, you know, bodybuilding isn't the most healthy lifestyle. Now, outside of bodybuilding, like, you know, they do a lot of cardio and they do a lot of things that are on the healthier side, but what you're, you know, what you're actually doing to your organs by taking a lot of anabolics and things like that is, isn't the the most healthy, the most healthy thing to do. So, but the one thing about bodybuilding is that if you're a, a major competitor, you're probably constantly doing blood work. You're constantly checking and making sure that everything going on inside your body is working the way it needs to be while still on dosages of these things. Um, so that's the one thing that kind of surprises me, especially like when it comes to a John Meadows and stuff like that. We don't know. I still haven't heard exactly if we have a reasoning um, behind like his passing or anything like that. All I know is we have a bunch of people right now who are looking at this saying that it's an awful big coincidence that in the past two years, we've had a lot of bodybuilders who are passing away when also the vaccine has come out within the last two years. Um, because they're saying that the vaccine can cause, uh, myocarditis, which is, which affects the heart. And a lot of these bodybuilders, if they've been taking anabolics, you know, anabolics increases muscle size. Guess what? Your heart's a muscle. Your heart is going to get enlarged if you're taking these things as well. And then if, if you take the vaccine and you get myocarditis on top of this, that can be a reason why you have a heart attack. You know, that could be a reason for heart failure. The only thing is, I don't have any uh, backup on this to say that Sean Roden got the vaccine. I don't know if John Roden or if uh, John Meadows got the vaccine. I don't know how this stuff, you know, I don't have any of this. All I know is what I'm going off based off of like a lot of comment threads on social media. There's a lot of fighting back and forth, which really sucks because, you know, a guy, a guy passed away, uh, a notable name passed away. And instead of it being like, oh, you know, this is sad news to hear, it's more of, oh, well, it has to be the vaccine because that's why these people, you know, it, it's happened so recently that all these guys are dying and stuff. And it just sucks to see that it's going that in that direction. But I, if we keep losing guys, I think it's just going to get worse. Yeah. And, you know, the other day, I also mentioned to you about, you know, does this increase the scrutiny of the sport? by any measures. I don't know what that means because you asked me, what does that mean? I said, I don't know. I don't know what, what you know, I don't know what kind of scrutiny. And I'm not saying that there should be, I'm just, you know, I'm kind of trying to look ahead and I'm wondering if, if that's something that might be coming down the pike and should it. Well, so, it uh, so what, 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 well, the reason why I asked you that is because you said it should it add more scrutiny on to, so like the original scrutiny you're talking about, are you talking about steroid use and things like that? Is that what you. Just, just in general really, you know, because okay. I'm going to get into some more of the science here uh, via an article um, from T Nation. But just in general, you you are, and I liken it to football, professional football. And I think we've had this conversation as well on, on the show. But, you know, there is a lot of science and there's a lot of longitudinal studies now, long-term studies that suggest that pretty much, you know, it's basically a fact now that playing football and getting hit in the head over and over again is going to cause things like CTE. You know, mm -hmm. you're, you're going to get uh, brain damage. You know, things, it's not a safe sport to play. 
Right. And people make these choices to go ahead and play. You know, it, obviously the money is a big factor. The fame is a big factor. The competition is a big factor. Like these guys, they're, you know, they're competitors. And so bodybuilding is kind of the same way. When you start, you know that you're getting into something that's not the safest thing in the world to do. And, and aside from steroid use, I'm going to get into some more things here. The reasons why uh, bodybuilders face some more uh, physical trials physical that you know strains on their bodies because of just the the fact that they're carrying so much muscle and things like that the the problem is with football the arguments that i've heard that that carry a little bit of water for me is that people start at a very young age and and these big mr olympian bodybuilders they influence the younger generation because they want to be that big too well being that big comes with consequences, you know, and, and playing football, getting hit in the head over and over again comes with consequences that when you're a young man and your brain's not fully developed yet, right. You don't quite, you, you don't have enough, you know, know it all. You don't, you don't have enough wherewithal to be able to really consider what the threats really are going to do down the road right. when you are 40, when you are 50, mm-hmm. you know, and, and sometimes even younger than that. So, and just to back up, a, a, you know, just a little bit, myo, myocarditis, myocarditis rather, is an inflammation of the middle layer of the heart wall. So, so basically you're inflaming your heart when you get a condition like that. Um, and because you referred to that, so I wanted to make sure that we, we have a, a basic understanding of what that means. Mm-hmm. And myocarditis is one of the side effects that has been noted with the vaccine, the COVID vaccine mm-hmm. in recent times. Um, now I would note that most of the 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 group the the demographics for those suffering from that particular condition are young males aged 18 to i think about 30 so that's your your you're really the the population that's really at threat for that for whatever reason which i think is See, weird that, yeah that's weird it's to me i don't thing. Under, we just I, don't know i don't understand how it's not just a general across the board thing like that doesn't make any that doesn't really make any sense to me Right. Well, if you if you remember back with the Johnson and Johnson shot, they, they stopped that injection for a while because it was affecting women of a certain age group with blood clotting. And so why women, you know, and not and not men on on that particular injection? I don't know. There's so much unknown about that. Right. But the, the fact that it is unknown is is a, an important point. And the fact that I'm, I'm about to read an article from T Nation. I, this is not a peer reviewed journal. You know, it's not. You know, this I'm, I'm getting science from from a website, but I think it's it's interesting to talk about. I think this is probably pretty accepted science here. So what it says here in T Nation, we're talking about bodybuilders and some of the, the issues they already have. So it says, uh, I once read that it takes ten times as many blood vessels to vac- vascularize a pound of muscle as a pound of fat. If that's true, then an obese truck driver with a body fat percentage around thirty five percent probably has a better chance of living a long life. Then a bodybuilder who's gradually added on around three to five pounds, the muscle mass of an ordinary human. So even if that number is, uh, even if that number 10 regarding vascularization isn't entirely accurate, the basic fact is true. Muscle has a lot more capillaries in it than an equivalent amount of fat. And someone who's carrying around 100 pounds more muscle mass than he did before he started lifting is putting a tremendous amount of strain on his heart. So basically what, so, basically what we're saying is that you can have better blood flow through fat than you can muscle. Is that what that means by vascularize? I mean, I know the word vascularity, I think that, but I don't know. I, I, I thought I, I don't know exactly what that means. 
is it is it blood yeah. flow uh vascularization is basically the, yeah i think so the carrying of blood through your body right mm -hmm. and so the more capillaries that are in your body i guess the harder that your heart has to work to pump all the muscle right and so the the main point here is that you know the the elephant in the room when it comes to the bodybuilding sport is always going to be steroids anabolics gear um that's always going to be something that is is looked at first and something that's going to be scrutinized the hardest the point of this exercise the point of this article is that that elephant is always going to be in the room as you mentioned before using anabolics is going to put a strain on your body it does things to your body that especially if it's not done absolutely correctly and with proper blood work and, and under close supervision by someone who knows what they're doing, mm -hmm. kind of putting your life in the hands of something like almost like an, a, an illicit drug, but instead of getting high, you're, you're building muscle, mm -hmm. right? So it's going to have those effects on your body. But the article goes on to talk about, uh, you know, some other factors here. You know, it says that Generally speaking, exercise causes blood vessels to release nitrous oxide, nitric oxide, and that's a good thing. You know, it's a chemical that release, uh, relaxes arteries, and it plays a crucial role in regulating blood pressure and overall circulation. It says, however, when something interferes with the production of nitrous oxide, a cascade of bad things start to happen. The blood vessels lose their elasticity and end up being physiologically close to cheap garden hose that's been left out in the sun too long. That's a, yikes. that analogy. Yeah. Yikes is right. Um, it, it, the third paragraph here, it says all this resistance causes the walls of the heart to start to thicken, leaving insufficient space inside the chambers of the heart to handle the blood. It all adds up to decreased efficiency and without intervention, it can lead to heart failure. So we're talking about a lack of, of nitrous oxide here. Um, and then we go into uh, anabolic steroids interfere with the production of nitrous oxide, therefore increasing the chances of premature hardening of the arteries and all its implications. So once again, that's related to anabolics, but it's, it's the, you know, we're getting down into the science of why anabolics also creates a problem in the body because of that lack of, of you know, the, uh, the certain chemical that the, the body needs in order to maintain proper cardiac function. And so nitric oxide apparently is a pretty big deal. Point of this, I think, is to take a little bit of the heat off of, off of, you know, it's so easy to scrutinize someone who's a bodybuilder and think that, well, he jacked up his body because he was on steroids. There's some truth to that, right? Mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're sacrificing a lot of your body in order to uh, achieve a goal. But I mean, we do that all the time in life, you know, coal miners, especially back in the day, used to sacrifice their body and end up with uh, what they call it, where their lungs were all black. I don't remember, but they ended up breathing it in so much coal dust. Something long. I can't remember what it yeah. was. What was that called? Yeah. Was it iron lung? I don't, I don't know. That's, that's a thing. I don't remember. <laughs> black lung, maybe. Maybe it's just black lung. I don't, I don't, I don't know. But we put ourselves in hazardous situations all the time to achieve a goal. If you're a coal miner, you're, you're making money to put food on the table. You know, uh, if you're a bodybuilder, you are reaching the goal of trying to be the biggest, baddest bodybuilder that you can be. And so what's your thoughts on, on that? Should there be more scrutiny, more, more regulation on this sport? Or do you think that people have the right to make a choice and sacrifice their bodies if they choose to reach that goal? 
Um, I don't know. I mean, in a way, it's kind of kind of like a my body, my choice situation. Like this is what I'm choosing to do, and I'm signing contracts and doing these shows to compete against other people who are saying the same thing. I'm choosing to do this to my body for this certain reason. Um, I don't know about adding more scrutiny onto the bodybuilding world just because I think it is what it is. I've always thought it was weird that we have massive events like the Olympia and the Arnold Classic and things like that where it's like steroids like everyone knows that everyone on those that stage is on anabolics and on steroids right these are like most of the time illegal things right but we have an entire event surrounded around it right how crazy is that i've often wondered about that i i I was hoping that you would have some insight into that i mean how does that work (laughs) because our, our i mean i don't know if they're considered like illegal illegal or i mean if so how are you having an entire event and it's been going on for decades that is basically you know based on the fact that people use these sports enhancing drugs to to get that big i mean there's certain things like testosterone and stuff that you can get from a doctor you know but they're not going to prescribe you superhuman dosages of it Right. You know, they're only now, I guess you could try to be on, you know, be on TRT, just a regular TRT dose and you can choose to take how much you want. But if I know how doctors work, you can only, you know, refill, you know, so many times over a year or something like that. So, I mean, I'm I'm sure there's doctors out there that work really well with bodybuilders and stuff. Um, but I, I know for a fact there's a lot of stuff out there that you're not going to get from a doctor and is not going to be prescribed and you're going to have to get at the black market level of bodybuilding, I guess. And, you know, yeah. and if, if you're caught in, you know, with your house full of this stuff or you're caught in your car with it, you're probably going to get charges against you. Yet we're taking this stuff and then we're making a huge bodybuilding event that thousands and thousands of people go to know like knowing this, that's just so weird to me. It doesn't bother me. I don't care. It's just, it's just always kind of dumbfounded me that that's a thing. Yeah. It's definitely interesting. I'm not, yeah, I I have no idea. I'm not aware of how that happens. Of course, you know, it's not like the Popo or the feds are going to bust into the the Arnold classic and, and take all the guys off stage because, they're in possession by consumption, you know, which they, you know, police can do that for, for some drugs that they, they, uh, they can tell someone's high or whatever, or, or a minor, if they're drunk, they can do that as well. But it, it you know, it is a, it, it is a kind of a, a sport that's glorifying that in a lot of ways. And so I don't know, but it's, I mean, it's been around for a long time and, and to be fair, I would say a majority of the bodybuilders are, are pretty you know healthy, I guess. I, I don't know that for a fact, but they seem like they're healthy. They're not all dying. Let me put it that way. I mean, know? healthy is an, it's, it's a hard statement to make because the, you know, you're, you're talking about cramming so much food into a body that your body's not supposed to be 
taking in. Like in evolution, the body's never done that. You know, it's not it's not supposed to be taking in that many thousands and thousands of calories a day, but a body has to do that to be able to build like bodybuilders want to happen. Um, you know, but the aspect we haven't talked about yet is like, think about dehydration and stuff like that too. They say bodybuilders are at their most unhealthy state when they're on stage. They look the best, but think about how much they had to dehydrate themselves and get rid of water weight and all that kind of stuff before they could step on stage to be able to see those striated glutes and, you know, see every muscle fiber that you can possibly see and all that, you know, it's, it's not, it's not healthy. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of aspects of bodybuilding that are a lot healthier than your normal person who's eating McDonald's five days a week. But I'm also not going to say that it's the most healthy thing to be involved in either. True. And, And, you know, the reference point that I was that first came to my head when I was thinking about that was Arnold himself, but he had open heart surgery some, I don't know, 15 years ago, maybe now, I don't remember how long ago it's been, maybe even before that. I think it was after or during while he was governor, but um, yeah, even, even he had to have some, some open heart surgery, which, which may have happened anyway. But once again, I, a lot of guys might not have the same resources. I know, you know, most people don't uh, have the same amount of money that Arnold could have to get that uh, really high quality healthcare right. to have that surgery done in a successful way and continue living his life the way, you know, the way that he is he's been around for a while now I, I don't, he's probably my goodness he's up in his 70s now for sure right is he that old i think i, I think so i mean you you know you've got guys that have been in the bodybuilding world for a long time some that are really smart about it to where towards the end of their career or after their career is over with they understand that this isn't my life anymore and they you know purposely lose the body the muscle mass in a healthy way and get their bodies like a Dorian Yates. He's a perfect example. I don't know if you've ever listened to him or not or watched him, but he was a freaking monster back in the day. And he was also a Mr. Olympia back in the day. And now if you look at him, you would never know that he used to be a Mr. Olympia because he, he rides, you know, rides his bike all the time and all that kind of stuff. And he just knew that once bodybuilding was over, it was over. And now I've, if I want to live a healthy life and stay alive, I'm going to have to do this. You know, and mm. Arnold's kind of the same way. You know, he it's not like he's a bodybuilding monster anymore. Um, you know, and I think some of these guys like a Phil Heath who, you know, like you just read a while ago, he had a seven-year winning streak as Mr. Olympia. You know, I think guys like those are going to be smart enough to, once their bodybuild, bodybuilding careers are over, they're going to, in a healthy way, get back down to where they need to be. But, you know, look at like a Ronnie Coleman. That guy is probably the biggest name in bodybuilding history. And if you watch him walk around, he's got new hips, new knees, you know, everything. And it, it's just not, not good. Yeah. Yeah. His documentary was pretty telling. Yeah. Uh, it was on Netflix for a while. I'm not sure if it still is. If it is, I advise anybody to check it out. Even if you're not really necessarily into bodybuilding, it's just a, it's a great story mm-hmm. and, and he's a super nice guy, but yeah, bodybuilding broke him down. Yeah. I would say it broke him down worse than anybody else I've ever seen that is still alive. Yeah. You know? So yeah, I think to, to kind of cap this off, I think that what people are really maybe starting to take notice in now is the fact that 
bodybuilders like John Meadows, now Sean Roden. And there were a couple of others that I, I don't have their names on the top of my head, but they're dying in their forties, you know? And so the long, longer term effects of that well, lifestyle well, we had, is coming uh, into question. We had Matt Porter that happened a year or two ago. Um, he was a pretty big name. And then Dallas McCarver died a couple of years ago, which he was in his twenties. Wow. Um, yeah. and, and then Rich Piana, which you probably remember his name. Do you remember seeing yes. him? Now he was just a, a a freak that I think took he just threw the absolute kitchen sink at himself, and it was kind of like I don't want to say it wasn't a surprise, but kind of that's the way a lot of people look at it as it wasn't a surprise. Yeah, you know, but yeah, this, so. this you know, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I think too is that you know there's some bodybuilding coaches out there that are under a lot of scrutiny here lately because of. Uh, dosages that they say they give their client or have their clients take and stuff like that of certain things. And that, that, that other coaches are like, there is no possible way I would tell anybody to take that much of this thing, you know? So that stuff kind of has, you have to think that that comes into play somewhere too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The guidance that they're given. I mean, I do think that if, if there is any heightened scrutiny, that would be where it should come into play right. is, is the, the actual people that are giving guidance to these folks. As far as the, the sport or the practices themselves, I still maintain a pretty libertarian viewpoint like I do just about on everything. Same with football. It's like, know what you're getting into. And if you choose to sacrifice yourself, that's your choice, man. And I, I think it's upon, you know, us, like I, just because, they get so big and they're doing what they're doing. I like, you know, I, I would like to be big, but I, I would not make the choice to sacrifice my body in that manner. That's a personal choice that I have. Mm-hmm. It's okay that they do. It's okay that I don't. And I'm going to teach my kids also, you know, I'm going to be careful, not that they would get into bodybuilding, but if they started to have those kinds of, you know, uh, if they, if they had those desires, I would be on it, you know, and say, look, you can't sacrifice, you know, this, this much of your health for, for this goal. Cause I don't think it's right. And so I would try to give them that guidance, but you know, as far as they are concerned, you know, more power to you. It, it's a, it's a competitive sport and it's got a, a large following and people who make that choice need to be well aware of the consequences and they're going to have to live with those, you know? Yeah. I, I just, th- there's gotta be a middle ground somewhere. And like you said, you know, teaching your kids, you know, if this is what you want to do, that that's fine. Just know that you're, you need to do the research and you need to know what you're, I'm not talking about just bodybuilding alone. I'm talking about anything, you know, any, any sport out there, somebody can take it to the extreme where it's not healthy, you know, and because they just want to be the absolute best they can. And that's a great mentality to have, but sometimes that mentality can really screw your life over. If you start thinking, or if you start not putting your health ahead of everything else. You know, me and you were a little more health minded now, uh, probably even you more than me, uh, just because, you know, getting up there, not getting up there in age, but you know what I mean? Like past the years of getting on a bodybuilding stage, let's say that, um, you know, and thinking that that's not our path that we want to take. However, you know, th- there's ways to still be really invested in doing those kinds of things in a healthy way. And, but that's our mentality. And that's, I think it's a smart mentality. 
to have, but you know, some people are just have to be all in on something or nothing. And that can be detrimental for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that at the end of the day, making the choice yourself is the important thing. And on that note, really quickly to close this out, because I know we're running out of time, but you know, this leads us into the mandate and it is important to note, I think that, you know, as we see on screen here, as I share this, this page, the Department of Labor instituted the ruling through the Occupational Safety and Health Administration. And, and what we're referring to is, is the mandate they're using OSHA in order to, um, to force businesses to comply. Um, it goes on to say the U.S. Department of Labor is confident in its legal authority to issue the emergency temporary standard on vaccination and testing. Um, OSHA, uh, well, the act explicitly gives OSHA the authority to act quickly in an emergency where the agency finds there are workers subjected to grave danger and a new standard is necessary to protect them. So on that note, the, the alarming thing for me really there is the fact, and, and I know other people see this differently, but are we truly in an emergency right now? Like this mandate's being pushed through because of an a pressing emergency. So they're using OSHA as a work standard to keep people safe, which is what OSHA is all about. Well, that was- Do you see COVID right now as an emergency? That was my first thought when when they first talk, tar, started talking about mandating this. Mandating, uh, I was like, I don't see how they can do this. And then all of a sudden they slapped the word emergency on the front of it. And now I'm like, well, now we have no choice. Like, it just seems to me like anytime you throw emergency in the front of it, when it comes to politics or when it comes to a situation like this, like the, there's nothing. It's like the, it's like the government's way of saying this is going through no matter what. But apparently that's yeah. not happening because there has been a halt put on this. Did you know that? Did you see this yesterday? I did. As a matter of fact, um, Missouri is one of the 11 states suing the Biden administration right now. Mm -hmm. And there is a judge, I believe he's the, in, in New Orleans. Um, there's a court that has put a halt on this as of right now. And the White House has till I think, Monday to respond to this this new uh, update, but yeah, it is, uh, there's a lot of pushback and it's not going to affect my industry because the healthcare industry, because we're Medicaid, Medicare funded in large part and anyone who is, you're getting, you're getting the mandate regardless because you're taking the federal funding. With those who don't take any kind of federal funding, like any kind of private business, this is to me, a very intrusive action taken by the Biden administration to try to force compliance. And it's, it's causing an uproar in every industry in which this applies. And so that you're right, that, that term emergency is a red flag. It's, it, when they say that, like you said, it's going to happen. What, it, what emergency is code word for is power, government power. They deem it an emergency, they take power, and they use that power to you know, do whatever it is that they want. Once again, keeping in mind, this is not uh, this, you know, our focus here is not whether or not you feel like the vaccine is good or bad or anything like that. What we're talking about here is the mandate where the government says you have to put this in your body or else you're not going to be able to make any money. And the whole testing thing is, is a ruse because most people can't afford to get tested on a weekly basis and provide that to their employer. The employer is definitely not going to want to do it because it costs money, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's just a way of well. Now, from once what again, I, from what I read, and it may it may have been in that Washington Post 
article that you had up there was because they were originally saying that it was going to be at the employer's expense as far as the testing goes. Now they're not. Now they're saying that it, it it's upon it's a, a the employee has to show proof of a negative COVID test each week, but they also have to wear masks if you're not vaccinated. Right. Uh, that so that was another big thing too. So I don't. I mean, I, I'm interested to see how this whole thing is going to play out because there's going there's a lot of pushback happening. But I also know a lot of people and a lot of um, even in the industry that I work in, uh, some of the customers that my company deals with. I know there's a lot of people that are like ready to walk as soon as this mandate comes in. They're ready to walk. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, that's scary that you're willing to give up your livelihood. And I'm not saying I'm, uh, I'm against their decision because, you know, you're, you're being forced to do something that you don't want to do. And. Um, you know, something I've been saying is that mandate is a fancy word for forced. Right. And people, you know, you, if you say that they're forcing us to do it and people say, well, they're not really forcing us. Okay. They're mandating you to do it. That means forced. That's exactly what that means. So I don't know, man, it's, I don't, I'm interested to see how this is going to play out. And, um, you know, something that I've been really thinking about is I really hope that my kid was born in this area where um in five years when he's ready to go to school this stuff is over with because right they've been really pushing really fast this whole deal now where they're five to eleven year olds can get the vaccine and i don't know if i should be worried about i should be scared about that or not however i'm curious to see if this goes through is the COVID vaccine now going to be something that's required for a kid to be able to go to school, just like all the other vaccines and immunizations they have to have? You know what I'm saying? So like, if this goes through now by next year, do, do these, if you want your kid to go to kindergarten, do they have to have the COVID vaccine? And if you're not willing to do that now, do you have to homeschool your kid? Is that your only option because they're not vaccinated? I don't, I don't know how deep this is going to go. Yeah. No, I think your concern is legitimate. I think is warranted, and I believe that's that's the that's where the, the the flow is taking us. I think we're heading into a situation where, you know, and, and we need to be clear here too. The COVID vaccine is not; it shouldn't be like paralleled to like polio vaccine. The COVID vaccine should is, is more closely related to like the flu shot. Okay. And you don't take the flu shot just once, right? Mm-hmm. The efficacy of, of this vaccine, which we don't have time to get into today, but it's dropping off after a six-month period, like into the basement, especially for the Johnson & Johnson. But even Moderna and COVID, they're losing their, their efficacy over time, which means, you know, are they going to want to see, you know, they're already rolling out the boosters for certain parts of the population, this and that. Are they going to require kids to, to have it to go to school? I don't know, man, but it's not, it's not looking good. And they say that they're trying to still squash the pandemic. That's the goal. Get everybody vaccinated. We want to worry about it again because the virus will go away. There's more science that says it's going to keep mutating. And, you know, vaccinated people are, are continuing to get the virus and to spread the virus to some degree, although the numbers are down. But they're, they're continuing to, to get the virus in their body, which is where the virus mutates. It mm-hmm. mutates within a person because it has to if it's going to survive. So when it when it mutates in someone's body and then it spreads, that mutated version spreads to other people and more people and more people. And that's where the problem 
really comes in at. You One know, more back back to go ahead. Well, something to branch off of this a little bit too. And I just started thinking about this the other day because me and you, I think it was uh, two episodes ago or so, we start, we were talking about uh, how when my wife was pregnant that our doctor told us that there wasn't enough science to back up her recommending that my wife get the vaccine during pregnancy. And I just, just clicked with me the other day and kind of aggravates me a little bit. But, you know, they're just now saying that it's okay to have, to give a five-year-old the vaccine. But how is it legal that a pregnant mother can get the vaccine knowing that's going to go directly through the baby. Isn't that weird? Yeah, it, it happens though. Yeah. I, and I'm, I, I'm not saying this to uh, degrade or, you know, talk badly down upon anybody who is pregnant that got the vaccine. That's your choice. That's, that's fine. If you believe that that's what you need to do and that it'll benefit you, that's great. Uh, how I'm just saying that from a legal standpoint, up until now, you couldn't give a five-year-old a vaccine, but you can give the vaccine to an unborn baby through the mother. That's crazy. It's a great point. It's a great point because the vaccine wasn't authorized for, for small kids and giving it to a pregnant mother is giving, giving it right to a, an unborn baby. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not sure how that works. I have no idea. It's a great point. I actually know someone who, um, her daughter, I believe it was her daughter. She had gotten the vaccine while she was pregnant and the mother of the daughter who got the vaccine, um, she's worried to death. She's worried about all kinds of, you know, birth defects and, and how this is going to, you know, how this is going to affect the baby. And hopefully nothing, you know, hopefully nothing will. And it, it becomes a little more complex because my libertarian view gets a little, a little bit more strained when I think about that because it, there's, a, there's a human being inside of that lady who took the vaccine. Right. You know, so typically I'm like, well, it's, it's your body. So, you know, you're going to take that vaccine. I just hope nothing happens to that, that unborn baby in the process. No, I mean, I've seen, um, I've seen this happen. I've seen a mother get it and then the baby come out fine and there's no issues at all. Uh, you know, but it just, the, the only thing is the still, the, the question is always going to be the long-term effects. Do we know what's going to happen in, you know, 10, 15, 20 years? And is there a possibility that in 20 years we see some, bad long-term effects and people are going to start looking at this like, Oh man, maybe we should have pushed back against this a little harder or maybe, you know, we should have, maybe I shouldn't have got the vaccine or something like that. I hope to God that's not what happens. I hope this ends up being just like a, you know, every other vaccine, like the flu, you know, uh, flu vaccine and things like that, where, you know, you, maybe you do get it every year and you don't have any issues. It doesn't affect your body at all or anything like that. I don't know. I, I, I could see in the future them may somehow figuring out like how to do COVID and flu shot all in one to where you get it, get stuck once every year or something. I could see that happening. Sure. A little cocktail, Uh huh. an, an injection cocktail. Right. So yeah, the long-term effects that that is something that is kind of a scary aspect to all of this, I think, because we're never going to know uh, one, one more little excerpt from the New York times here before we close down. So there's a federal, uh, Appeals court suspended the Biden administration's new vaccine requirement for private companies delivering a major blow for one of the White House's signature attempts to increase the number of vaccinations to corral the pandemic. Uh, the decision was issued by a panel of three judges appointed by Republican presidents. They noted that in the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit. Uh, I think this is important right here. The judges wrote that there was cause to believe there were grave statutory and constitutional issues with the mandate. 
staying the order while the court assesses it more in depth. So listen, pro-vaccine, anti-vaccine, whatever you are, honestly, I, I don't care. Um, what I am is anti-mandate. And I, I think no matter what, no matter what happens, even if this vaccine is completely safe and, and side effects are very few, I think pushback is important. I think when you don't have pushback, you're giving the government just free reign and they're not going to stop. They're, they're going to continue to take more and more control over whatever they can, because that is the nature of, of the beast that is the government. It, it's, mm-hmm. not, uh, it's not something that you know, gives you back its power once it takes it. Right. And so I think that, I think that pushback is important, man, one way or the other. And I just I hope everybody kind of at some point in time at least takes, takes that into consideration. If you don't end up agreeing with that notion, at least take it into consideration and realize that both sides push. And, you know, I, I, I don't, I, I don't identify with either side of the aisle, but I think it's important that we have pushback on, on whatever it is. And it's, it's, it feels good for us to see that there are higher ups that are pushing back against this. You know, it's not, yes. it's not just us trying to push back against it. It's, you know, people in higher up positions who are re- kind of proving to us that they are listening and that they, you know, they agree that this shouldn't be something we're forced to have to do. Absolutely. Yep. So. That's important. And also for the people to keep pushing back though, because without the people pushing back, the politicians probably wouldn't, Yeah, they probably wouldn't, wouldn't stand up. Right. Uh, because, you know, we got to have those votes, but at any rate, man, I, appreciate everyone for being patient with me through my first time uh displaying articles and things like that and worked out good uh, i think i i hope so i I want to continue to polish that and i have i think it's fun and i think it gives a little more um that gives us something to look at you know gives us something to reference to so it's not just my words spouting you know because sometimes i get going and no. I go down a rabbit hole. I don't even, I, I black out. I don't even know what I'm I talking just, about. I just feel sorry for, <laughs> I just feel sorry for everyone because what this is going to turn into is just you showing meme after meme after meme on here. <laughs> you, you've discovered my secret. <laughs> this, this is a, <laughs> this is a plan to start, uh, you know, showing memes uh-huh. for reference points. And yeah, that, that's it. I, I love memes so much. <laughs> yeah. So. At any rate, man, good stuff. Absolutely. Let's get out of here. All right. Let's do it. Thanks again to you, the CEP listener. Remember that word of mouth feels like a fresh, crisp meme to us, so don't forget to tell your friends and fam about the great variety that you hear right here on the CEP. Subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you consume your podcast that you hold near and dear to your heart so that you can keep the variety coming straight to your ear holes. You know the routine. Be sure to visit the new and improved launching pad for all things cerebral at thecepodcast.com. And of course, if you need to contact us, you can do that at cerebral at thecepodcast.com. Go to buyjack.com slash CEP, pick up some merchandise for us, okay? You will look fantastic in your brand new CEP Network merch. And that's all I've got this time, folks. So until next time, be sure to keep those big, beautiful brains of yours nice and warm out there. See ya.